Welcome to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein. Today we meet Tyler McNiven and Executive Chef August Shookman, the team behind West of Pecos, a Southwest-style restaurant inspired by McNiven family road trips through New Mexico and the greater Southwest. The lively space sits on one of the busiest parts of Valencia Street in San Francisco's Mission District, which we've gotten to know well on menu stories. Tyler, along with his brothers, is already an experienced restaurateur, even his parents were in the business. Tyler and Chef August have partnered together on other restaurants like Woodhouse Fish Company and have brought that relationship to West of Pecos. Let's have a listen. with Tyler McNiven and Chef August Schuchman. Can you both describe West of Pecos in your own words and your roles? Yeah, um, West of Pecos, the etymology of the term uh, comes from the old West in about the 1870s. If you were in the frontier, you were in Texas, and you passed west of the Pecos River, you essentially entered the quintessential lawless Wild West. It was said that there was nothing west of the Pecos but rattlesnakes and bad men. And my brother, my older brother Dylan, was fascinated by this term, west of the Pecos, and thought it would be a great name for the restaurant. And like Facebook, started as the Facebook and dropped the the, because it was cleaner, we dropped the the in west of the Pecos. So it's west of Pecos, a little bit cleaner. Got it. So, so where is the Pecos River again? Pecos River is in West Texas. In West Texas. It actually connects Pecos, Texas with Pecos, New Mexico. And there's a, there's a wilderness called the Pecos Wilderness. It's all very confusing. <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, it's a West Texas area. So most of Texas is actually east of Pecos. If you look at a map that's uh, in the hallway towards our bathroom here in the restaurant, you can see it's 1872 and you've got West Texas is, or East Texas, sorry, is just got uh, civilization everywhere. There's counties, there's cities, there's bordered off areas. And then you look west of Pecos and it's just nothing. There's no town. Yeah. It's, the Lawless Wild West, um, and uh, I am a co-owner with my brothers. And uh, and how about for you? I, I'm August, and I'm the chef here, uh, executive chef at West of Pecos, and I oversee the, the day-to-day operations and work with Tyler on creating menus. We meet up you know, every week and go over sales from the past week and, and see how menu items are performing. We, we craft new dishes together. That's what I do. <laughs> August is also the executive chef at the Woodhouse Fish Company, which are also a couple of our family restaurants. So where are you both from and, you know, why Southwest Cuisine? I'm from near Palo Alto. Uh, My parents uh, have a restaurant down the peninsula, and uh, they would take us uh, traveling growing up through the Southwest. And so the whole uh, notion of the Southwest and the flavors and the aesthetics of the architecture and the decorations and the colors and the big skies very it, it, it conjures up very nostalgic feelings um, from all those road trips so when we were exploring new restaurant concepts uh, we noticed a that we were gravitated towards the southwestern theme and B there wasn't really anything like that in San Francisco and that was what eventually led to us being here now we wanted to create large comfortable, booths and chairs and seats where uh, folks could come with groups of friends and just get a really honest tasty meal and big drinks and leave feeling satisfied feeling like they had a really good time and I feel like we've really accomplished that. 
great. And what about for you, Chef? Why, uh, why are you drawn to Southwest cuisine? Something that my dad has told me about. Uh, he used to actually, he's spent some time down in Santa Fe area, and, and he was always always interested in that kind of food. And growing up as a kid, like, they would always cook very interesting and, like, unique dishes. And, and kind of hearing my dad talk about that stuff, it's always been kind of a, a thing that I've wanted to try and, and try cooking and, and explore. And, and you know, working with Tyler and his brothers over at the Woodhouses, you know, I, I got I got drawn into West Pecos. Um, yeah. It's such an interesting, fun concept, and and I love coming in here and being able to explore the flavors, the green chilies and the red chilies, and the flavors. They're deep and they're they're real. I, I love the food. Really grown to love it. Yeah, one of my favorite memories with August developing the menu was um, we flew out to Santa Fe and explored Santa Fe and surrounding areas and basically ate our way through all the restaurants. And uh, yeah, August brought his family and I brought my fiance and uh, it was now wife, whoa, time. Um, and we just had, we just had incredible ex exploration through all those flavors and being in Santa Fe and New Mexico tasting the cuisine, it's like eating camping food while camping. You know, you really you get it. You get it. You know, you can take a, you can take a bagel camping and put some butter on it, and you're there looking at the Sierras, and it's the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. And then you bring it back home, and you try to recreate it, and it doesn't quite happen. Um, and so it's never exactly like the place. Our our food here isn't exactly like you're gonna get in the Southwest, and we embrace that. We're both from California, so we bring a lot of our California sentiment, our our fresh local ingredients, and clean plate presentation to all our dishes here at West of Pecos and, and uh, I think people really resonate with it because honestly when you go to this when you go to New Mexico and you order, go to a standard New Mexican restaurant it's kind of just slopped on a plate and it all fuses together and yes there's certainly a time and a place for that it's fantastic just grab a sopapilla open it up fill it with melted cheese and beans and meat braised pork and green chilies oh yeah it's, uh, it's delicious it's, it's very say. delicious yeah <laughs> But we wanted to just clean it up just a little bit. Add a little texture and yeah. fresh vegetables. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. We have, we have a really good time. It's like, uh, I mean, I, I look at August as an artist, and he, uh, he's got just such a deep understanding of these flavors and how they work together, and then also to kind of pull back and create a cohesive menu and to kind of take risks with certain dishes and try them out and see how they work. And then occasionally we hit these huge home runs that really resonate so well with people. It's a lot of fun. So how would you describe kind of the range of Tex-Mex to Southwest cuisine to California cuisine and how are they, how are they different? Southwest food being like a, a, a major regional cuisine in the U.S. is, is like, it's the, the epitome of the place and, it's, and it started way back when, you know, like the natives like started planting corn and, and cultivating chilies and um, that's where the food kind of grew from. And of course nowadays it's, you know, you get like Lots of deep fried iterations and lots of cheese. The the, the Tex-Mex maybe that you find it like a, a Chili's or something like that. But you know it's uh it's where we base our food. And when we were in New Mexico, feeling those flavors and, and smelling them and tasting them and just the textures and all that stuff. That's that's our basis. And we've kind of taken that and brought it to California and just tried to craft this menu and 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 craft the cuisine and bring it in and meld it with California and all our ingredients. Avocado. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, you know, like uh, sugar snap peas and, and um, 
asparagus and all, th all, all the wonderful things that we get to play with on a regular basis. And Tyler and I talk about the menu every week and we talk about where we're taking it. And, you know, in the beginning we were changing it almost daily. Like we started on a Tuesday and we had new menus on Thursday and new menu on Saturday and we you know, slowed down a little bit. And we've come to a place where we've got a pretty, pretty stable core of menu items. But you know, we, keep, we keep changing, just like California cuisine changes with the season we, we change with them but you know like our enchiladas like we have these like the basis of new mexico cuisine you get these like the two enchilada sauces the red sauce and the green sauce and there's a big debate on which one you which one you should order and, and <laughs> some people say you order it christmas style which is red and green on the same thing but yeah, would, <laughs> yeah so know. are you red or green i <laughs> i it depends on the day actually ah. like with eggs i love a green sauce yeah but with like a chicken enchilada, red uh, sauce is my yeah. thing because it's got a little bit more kick. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. The green is smoother and mm. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I, I think I'm a Christmas man myself. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I like the green sauce a lot, but for enchiladas, I think I would probably prefer the red. Yeah. I don't know. It seems to go to your point better with chicken for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Or meat. Um, well, when you do Christmas, then you, you don't. It's like almost like you don't have to decide because you true. get both. That's true. It's kind of like a cop out, I guess. Yeah, which is <laughs> why I love it. Start with either one. Yeah, and finish with exactly. The, other. the decision's been made. So, There's no regret. So Tyler, for you, it sounded like Southwest cuisine really meant something really special to you and your family, and uh, there's a lot of nostalgia there. So what, what's your first memory of Southwest food, and what do you think of when you think of like a Southwestern quintessential meal? Oh wow. The first memory of Southwest food is uh, when, while traveling, it really is kind of back to what I was saying about the, the plate slopped together with the, the rice, the beans, the melted cheese, and the meat. And I just remember just feeling like it was so hearty. Um, also, the, the sopapillas really stick out in my mind because they're not anything that is commonly served or are commonly served here. They're, uh, do you know what a sopapilla is? It's, it's essentially like, like a... I do, but for yeah, our listeners... Yeah, right, right, right. It's, I uh, totally know what it is. Well, it's, it's basically <laughs> like a, a, a fluffy <laughs> dough, uh, almost like a beignet. Uh, it's large, and it's either square or triangular, um, and you open it up, and it's, it's filled with steamy air, and you can kind of fill the cavity with all the, all the meat. Um, and Sounds delicious. Yeah, cheese and rice. It's, it's just it's sinful, and it's their version of table bread. And they serve it with everything. They serve it with everything, yeah. And you eat it before a meal, and then you go ahead and eat them after a meal. Yeah, <laughs> drizzle some honey on them at the end uh -huh. of the meal. You can stuff them with, with meat chili, uh -huh. and, like raised pork, and <laughs> yeah, you, like oh, stuff them and bake them. They oh my god, it's out of control. <laughs> August actually just uh, came up with a cinnamon and sugar toss sopapilla that we now have on our brunch menu. Yum. Which actually should be outlawed it's just ridiculous um how phenomenal it is so Dip it in chocolate call it a day yeah so as, as far as early memories it's really just that plate of slop the delicious <laughs> delicious slop and uh and i also remember the the red the redness i'd say now that if i did have to choose between red and green i'd, I'd really lean towards green chili especially since opening this restaurant my affection for the hatch green chili which is particular in new mexico it's very spicy um delicious green chili uh with a distinct flavor 
that if you grow up eating hash green chilies, you can't really find in any other chili. Because you, you just know, you, you take a bite and you start to sweat and it just opens up the capsaicin in your... And it just uh, brings you closer to the divinity of the cosmos, I feel. It's almost but like an addiction. It really is. <laughs> um, yeah, during, during hatch green chili season, all, all the way throughout New Mexico, they roast the green chilies in the streets. And so the streets are just rich with this heavy aroma of green chili roasting, wafting through the air. And um, that smell is extremely nostalgic to people who grew up in New Mexico. They all know it. And um, every time I mention that we're thinking about roasting green chilies outside of West of Pecos during hatch green chili season, I, I get people, their pupils dilate and they start salivating and say, yes, please. And then chili season comes and I get too lazy to, to do it. But maybe we should do it this season. Yeah, like a, it's like a big round like mesh basket that you rotate with a crank yeah. and you have like a giant, it's a roofer's torch for like melting tar on roofs. Yeah, and yeah. you just hit the chilies <laughs> with it. And yeah, that smell, it's like we should do it. Yeah, I remember growing up, like, smelling my dad roasting red peppers, on, uh-huh. like, on the gas burner. Just throw them on there, and that smell is just, you walk into West of Pecos at the right time, and it's oh, just, oh, it's over. God. Yeah, today <laughs> you guys were cooking cornbread, and it's just, like, we need to bottle up this smell and just spray it at the door. So every time anyone walks in, What's the it just gets new line of perfume. The face, yeah. <laughs> like roasted chilies and cornbread. Yeah. Like the Western Lobby of cornbreads and spaghetti. Do you guys know the Western Lobby does that? The oh, Western the Western Lobby? They, they spray? They spray their own scent into the lobby to kind of give you this, the whole like Ooh. brand feel. Yeah, very trippy. I worked with a chef who, to start the meal before everybody arrived, because it was a small group of people, it was like 20 people, he would heat up a pot of oil olive oil very very hot and then you would take rosemary and crushed garlic cloves and just throw it in there mm. um, and it would just make the entire room just smell glorious you walk you walk through the restaurant with a pan of hot oil and you know just aroma just flowing everywhere and, yeah and that's you know it's the beginning of, of food it's what yeah. you what you get first I mean this even before the the plate of food sits down in front of you and you see yeah. it you know before visual before you know tasting it it's like that smell yeah, uh, it's, uh, South Southwest food has so many of those. So, how did each of you get into the restaurant industry in the first place, Taylor? It sounds like you kind of grew up in it. Um, but what about for you, Chef? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to college and I was actually studying biology. Um, I wanted to be a doctor of all things. I was living with a family, and to um, to have some money, like I would I would watch their kids and actually cook dinner for them. Um, among you know a variety of other things and, and one day the, the father of the family said you're actually really good at this you should check out culinary school so I, and I, I took his word for it I mean I, I, I went and checked out California Culinary when it was over on Polk Street uh, California Culinary Academy and um, I signed up and started in the fall <laughs> it, was a, it was that, that easy? That, that was my start yeah I, I started there in October I got a job in December I worked full time while going to school and it was just my it was just 100% food like and it's been like that for the past 15 years just just that just that one that one thing that that was mentioned to me it it, it turned into a career in cooking Uh, granted I've always like I've always loved cooking and my my parents have always cooked very interesting things like whether it's Indian food or Chinese food like they would bring home a jar spicy kimchi and like let the kids try (laughs) yeah 
two older brothers and a younger sister, and you know the, the reaction would vary. My, the oldest sibling is like, oh yeah, I'm, I know I know what you're bringing home this kimchi stuff, and then the younger the younger of the kids are like, whoa, what is this stuff? Get that out of here! <laughs> but we all eventually kind of grew to love it, and like the the unique and distinct flavors became became part of our lives. And, yeah. and so I've always loved food. So yeah, my introduction to cooking was was a while back, and it came kind of on a whim almost, but it's been a wonderful, wonderful trip, for sure. You know, I, I feel so lucky to have August here, not only because, Thanks, man. yeah, I, I, I don't, I just, I just, I just wanted to like kind of remind people that uh, being a chef is, especially an executive chef at a restaurant, especially three restaurants, is actually, the food is, the food is the fun, creative part, and there's, there's so much more that goes into it. There's making sure, you know, really, it, scheduling employees and making sure people are showing up and following your standards and uh, that's, that is huge and then there's also the ordering on top of that it's a very multi multi-dimensional job and the food gets the food gets a lot of the glory and that's what people see but uh, when you walk back into the kitchen and you see the day-to-day -day, you see there's so much more it's uh, ordering supplies making sure the ovens are still working and our refrigerators are at proper temperatures and Making sure the systems are all being followed, so it's uh, it's it's pretty great when the person doing all that is also extremely good at cooking. Great. This is Rebecca Goberstein, and you're listening to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. We'll be right back with Tyler McNiven and Executive Chef August Schuckman. when we opened West of Pecos, my brothers and I all lived together. Um, two of us still do live together, and uh, our house is just a few blocks away. We would look in various uh, districts around San Francisco for restaurants. One of the ways we do it is just walk to the places where we would want to open a restaurant and look at the existing businesses, see if there's any vacancy, or see if there are any businesses that potentially could be uh, on their way out, go in and say hello and see what's going on. So we were walking around Valencia saying this this is a great spot. There's some good restaurants here. And this is before the massive restaurant boom about four years ago. We signed our lease. Um, and from the moment that we signed our lease to open our doors, the, the permitting process and the delays that went into this extensive year and a half long process, I think eight new restaurants opened up between that time and that year and a half on Valencia Street. So Valencia Corridor itself is the longest stretch of uh, privately owned um, small businesses in America, Un undisturbed really? quarter. There's, uh, it's, and it's remarkable running a business on Valencia because you realize what a small community it is. Um, next door we have Porto Alegre, which is a family-owned restaurant. Next door to that is Blondie's, which is a mother-daughter-owned bar across the street. You've got Casanova; it's a husband-wife team. We also have Bar Tartine, which is another couple. And then, of course, uh, Laconda, which is uh, Craig and Annie Stoll, who have uh, Delfina. And that's just on this block. And right. it's like that all the way down Valencia. And uh, I'm on the, the board of Valencia um, Corridor Merchants Association. And so kind of get to keep my uh, fingers on the pulse of the neighborhood and hear what's going on. And, you know, people are really passionate about keeping Valencia the way it is. This is a very concerted effort. It's not just a coincidence that there are these small businesses here and chains haven't sprung up because by golly they do. They see that there's something special here and if you have 10 or more of a certain you know, franchise that you're not allowed to be on Valencia. 
and because of those rules and because of these um, business associations, we've been able to keep it the, the special San Francisco gem that it is today. I had no idea about that. That's that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's definitely been there's definitely been some change um, over the last five to ten years on this street. It's certainly gotten more upscale and yeah. There's certainly the the whole dialogue and conversation of the, the tech money coming into the mission and and changing it. What I do know is that people who I talked to who lived on this street over 20 years ago, they said you could not make it a block without being offered crack or heroin multiple times. Right outside this restaurant, that would happen. And now you see you know, families and strollers. And When you look at that aspect, it's hard to deny that, that you know, decreasing the amount of, of criminal activity and drug use or is on this street is, is a good thing. I mean, decreasing the amount is a good thing. But, you know, there, it's, there are certainly areas of the mission where it, it exists. And it's a very contentious subject that I feel like really seeing both sides uh, is easy to do. You can see both sides. Yeah. And uh, it's, tough, it's tough for a lot of people. There have been a lot of people that have been displaced, and it's a challenge. But uh, one thing that gives me uh, solace as far as our participation is, you know, we, we took a spot that was a, an, an Indian grocery store that... Uh, was on its way out and had a collapsing roof and we were able to to decorate it and now we have uh, in, in a really what I think is a kind of a, a jewel in the neighborhood we have 37 employees and we, we create a really uh, positive work environment for a lot of people. I get uh, folks who grew up in the mission coming into the restaurant time and time again saying thank you for this spot this feels like the mission I know and the mission I grew up in and you know, we don't have a, a, it's not a state-of-the-art fancy thing. A, a lot of the decorations you see here, I just I put on the wall with my dad, and we did a lot of the framing ourselves, and I picked almost everything out, and it's been a, it's been a labor of love. And so I think people really feel that um, when they're in here. And then they also, when the food comes, it's, it's not uh, petite or precious or um, anything unaccessible. It's, it's honest. The flavors are, are right there. They're clear, and they're present, and I, I'd say it's, very much worth its value. Yeah, I think that's that's always been our, <laughs> our its value. goal. <laughs> worth its, it's salt. Exactly worth its value. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's been the goal for for all my time here is the is keeping keeping honest and keeping real. Um, the natural progression of our food has always been, you know, like we don't want to we don't want to raise our prices beyond a certain point. You know, we will you know occasionally raise prices. You know, when, when Costco up or something, but you know, putting out that that real honest food. I, f I feel like we're so lucky to be busy and so lucky to be uh, you know a popular street and have that. It's we don't we don't take that and, and take advantage of it. We, we take it and we take care of it. And we try to foster this environment of love and, and respect. Yeah, and and we we listen to what our guests tell us. If they don't like something, we'll we'll respond to that um, as much as it. As hard as it is to look at Yelp when you're running a business, it actually can be a useful tool. And so we've learned to just—that's a great tool. Sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts a little bit. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes sometimes yeah. because, <laughs> like August like said, you know, we we work very hard to to make a fantastic experience for people. And it's when it doesn't work and people let the internet know that can be painful. But you know, we, we get, for every negative comment, we have 20 or 30 extremely positive 
comments online. Yeah. So we're feeling feeling like we're doing something right. People keep coming back. What's uh, what's been the most challenging thing about your jobs? I think staffing in San Francisco is definitely a big issue. I mean, I talk to a lot of chefs that I know, and they're they have a hard time um, keeping staff. We like to treat people well and respect them and pay them a going rate, but you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to find that that place that you know, and rent goes up 150 percent and your wages go up 20 percent. You know, it's not it's not going to match up. Um, see a lot of that in San Francisco. That's definitely a difficult thing. We've fortunately found a really great team. Um, I mean, my job would be impossible to do. But we have, I think we have 14, 15 employees in the kitchen total, and you know, they they all work really hard and they committed to us and we're lucky but definitely you know you know since i've run three restaurants if there is a staffing shortage at at one or two of them (laughs) it can it feels a lot harder than it is and so what are the three restaurants Uh, they're they're they're, uh woodhouse fish company uh same name for two restaurants there's one on fillmore street um in lower pacific heights and then uh, one on uh, market street uh the corner of 14th yeah, and I, I imagine that can be uh, tough to balance even, like, the menu or just the, um, you have to put a different hat on with each of the restaurants, too, I Yeah, imagine. we have such, like I said, we have really great teams at all the restaurants, and uh, I'm fortunate to, to just be able to go in and kind of coach them and, you know, work with them. And but Yeah. What about for you, Taylor? What's the most challenging thing? My dad used to say that running a restaurant was just about getting 10,000 little things right. So the restaurant is a constant battle against entropy. Um, your booths get dirty, the varnish on the table starts to wear, plants, indoor plants sometimes die, you get scuff marks on the walls, and it all starts to encroach in. Um, you maybe get uh, a busted washer on a sink, and you're just constantly tuning. It's a big challenge, but I really enjoy it really just being able to monitor something and then to stand back and and look at how great it looks I mean there's there's just nothing like sitting back and looking at this full restaurant people laughing and having a great time enjoying themselves and eating good food and walking out with smiles on their faces literally a couple days like twice this week I've walked out the side door and within 10 feet heard people saying oh this is West of Pecos I love this place this place is so good they say that to their friend, and it's just like, after putting so much into it and you know, attention to every single detail. All 10,000 of them. All 10,000 details to hear that is, it's music. Yeah, two nights ago I heard that again, and I'm just, I'm just singing all the way home. Like, fantastic. Yeah, the, the challenges are, like August said, they're, they're mostly really fun to work on. What's, uh, what's been the most rewarding thing for both of you guys? The most rewarding thing for me, I feel, is that, that that sense of family that you get to have. You know, it's your it's your second family, and this the the huge group of friends that you get to see every day, and it's it's that that's the biggest reward, I think. You know, and of course, you know, like you're you're part of this team, and you get this constant feedback from guests and and employees. You know, if you put your heart into it, you know, you you put love into what you do. And it comes back to you. Um, it's, it's definitely the most rewarding. That, that emotion that you feel, it's like a high. When, when everything's flowing, you know, standing expo on that on the big line at West of Pecos and you see the full restaurant, yeah, it's like this, it's just the, 
feedback from all that hard work that you put in. Such a huge reward. When you're running a restaurant, it's it's almost like reverse traveling as opposed to going out to see the world. The world comes in your doors to see you. And I just get to interact with so much humanity on a daily basis. People are great. And especially around here, there's some really interesting people who come into our restaurant who, who bring their bright spirits in. And, uh, and the fact that we get to relish in that is just is, is such a gift. A lot of people go to their jobs and just interact with uh, the people who they, their coworkers, and then head home. And every day, I'm getting introduced to new people, and and we watch we, we watch kids grow up. I've, I've watched August have two kids, and now they're running around and they're they, they're like talking and just being amazing, <laughs> and they're like little people. It's incredible, and that uh, and we see uh, we see everything in between. We have couples that are you know kind of on the last years of life enjoying their meals together and you get to you get to really have this special window into humanity during the sacred gathering of, of consuming nourishment and nutrients and that's a, it's a it's a very rewarding experience and uh, and certainly don't take that for granted very excited to be a part of it well thank you both for uh, making the time to talk to us today and give us a little bit of the backstory on west of pecos thank you so much so can you decide if you're a red sauce or a green sauce person something to think about before you stop into west of pecos on valencia street on the next episode of menu stories we head to a hidden gem in the lower hate that's been getting more and more attention and accolades in recent years maven Maven prides itself on putting equal effort into their bar program and their menu, and was one of the first to do so. You'll love meeting the team behind it. Stay tuned. Subscribe to Menu Stories on menustories.com so you can get the next episode delivered to your inbox. You can listen on our website, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. Special thanks to Siska Marcus, Menu Stories Assistant, Sound Editor, and Patrick Wong, our videographer. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein, and until next time, happy eating. <laughs>